the Movie Journey Podcast, where we break down every film from the IMDb Top 250, giving our own thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and I've just got one piece of advice. Choose life, choose a job, choose a career, choose a family, choose podcasting, choose the movie journey. Nice, and I'm Dean Jeffrey, and I didn't spot any trains in this film. What a letdown. You did hear some trains, though. I uh, didn't see him, though. Not good enough. Spotting, Lift your game. Spotting is sight. Seeing. And today we're breaking down Danny Boyle's train spotting. Dean, how are you, mate? Yeah, I've been really busy. I'm not going to lie, this coronavirus has taken its toll on the supermarket industry. Yes, you and I both manage big retail stores. Yes, we do. And uh, the, the hashtag Australian toilet paper is, is very apt right now. It is apt. It it's is trending. ridiculous. It's, I will say, like today, for example, I go into my store, not a single... Roll of toilet paper. I get five pallets in, and an hour later they are gone. I'm in your boat as well. It is. We I've had, never seen anything like this before. We had 12 pallets of toilet paper come in on a sad day. Two hours later, it's all gone. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Do you get daily loads? Yeah. Yep. Every morning. Sunday as well? Yep. Oh, wow. And it's all gone by midday. So, we get six deliveries a week, and yeah, I'm ordering close to 30 pallets of toilet paper every single order, just like, give me what you got. And I get fuck all. <laughs> it's bullshit. Yeah, it's been it's been a tough time. I've never been so excited to see a truck coming. <laughs> like, yes, yes. How much toilet paper you got? Uh, I don't know. Fuck. Yeah, but that's our life at the moment. Just non-stop toilet paper stockage. I'm, I'm, can I just say how happy I am that it is something that's so easy to move and yeah. merchandise that's toilet paper? Yeah. Can you imagine if it was like, tuna or like huge bulk packs of water yuck it's just a lot of lifting like toilet paper like toilet paper and paper towels and tissues oh man and the problem is the problem is once they empty your paper the paper towel once they empty your toilet paper they hit tissues yep and the the paper paper towel towel. i've had people go for the little 12 packs of colored napkins serviettes really yep Yep. oh that's rough it is it's one ply (laughs) (laughs) the dreaded one ply (laughs) Other than that, I am healthy and well, though, which is good. That's good to hear, mate. As am I. Yeah, just just before we move on, I just want to comment on something. Um, I started a bit of a weight loss thing. Do you want to say six months ago now? I saw mm-hmm. a few fellow podcasters were, you know, doing this weight loss thing. I saw a lot of people dropping the sugar and talking about that very publicly. And yep. when I was hearing so much about it, I sort of thought, all right, you know, I'll, I'm a big guy. I, I can afford to lose some weight. I'll, I'll give it a shot too. Now, six months later, I've just, just today, before I came over to Hendo's to actually have this, um, this recording, I've hit 50 kilos lost. Wow. Which is just so rewarding. And it's, I have my ups and downs. I have my relapses. I'm not perfect with what I'm doing. I try to be as strict as I can. But one thing that I sort of lost, I was sort of averaging about 10 kilos a month. And then I just stopped. Like I stopped real hard. Plateaued at like 48 kilos. I've been 48 down for about six weeks. Yeah. And I said to myself yesterday, all right. Get back to being really strict. I'm going away in a couple of weeks for a golf weekend and I'm no doubt going to, you know, drink yes. uh, drink so much, <laughs> eat shit. And I thought, all right, before I go, I really want to have hit that 50 mark. And I said this morning, I was like, all right, I've got two weeks. I'm going to hit that 50 mark. And today- had my porridge, had my fruit for lunch, 
I finished work early. I went home, did an 11K jog with the dog and hopped on the scales. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm already there. Nice. So I was so happy. I like, I just hooted and hollered in my house and the family are all behind me and it's so much fun. And I just want to say it's, you know, if I can do it, anyone can do it. And if you're considering, just give it a go. Give it a go because the start's the hardest part. And once you, once you get past that first couple of weeks of just limiting you know, that hand-to-mouth motion, it just gets so much easier. So, it's it's so rewarding. Hendo doing the dick-in-mouth motion. Real supportive. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to open up here and talk about myself and I got this fucking dickhead opposite me <laughs> making out like I'm sucking dick, like uh, Jonah Hill in Superbad. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but it, it's been really great and, um, you know, I'm, I want to lose another 10 kilo and, yeah, it's, it's just... Yeah, it's so so rewarding. So thank you to everyone that inspired me. I won't I won't name names or anything, but you know who you are. You know who you are. Yeah, and, uh, I am very proud of you, mate. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that without making uh, disgusting motions with your hands. No, you'll get it later. Nice. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are we doing today, Hendo? Well, after our breakdown of train spotting, we'll take a look at some reviews you guys have left for us. We're going to do our question of the week, which is, what is your favorite drug-related film? Which is our top five as usual, and we'll do a little competition there for our Facebook listeners and our patrons. We'll take a look at the results of our Pod v Pod 35 draft between us and Rob Manafield of the Everything Racing Podcast. We'll take a look at some results of the Best 2010s Film Tournament. We've got a trailer to talk about, and then after all that, it's my turn to pick. Next fortnight's movie. Oh, nice. I'm excited. Get excited, mate. I think you're going to be a bit more happier with this one than my neighbor Totoro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fucking Zara still watches us. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's No, it's it not. is. Although, that's so good. I walked in the other day and she was watching Spirited Away. I was like, ooh. <laughs> it was hard for me not to sit down and watch it. I was like, no, no, no. i got to save it for when we do it for the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> all right, but before all that. Give me the update. All right, Hendo. Give us the update. What's going on on the IMDb Top 250 list? Very small update here for this one. Parasite's gone down one more spot to 24, moving Silence of the Lambs back up. Nice. And 4V Ferrari has gone down four spots to 185. That's pretty much it. Cool. Yeah, quick one. Nice and easy. All right, before we get into train spotting, just a heads up, we will be spoiling this movie in its entirety from the jump. So if you haven't seen it, look away now. Look away. Listen away. They say it doesn't work. If no, I neither say, of them work. If I say look away, they know what I'm Turn talking about. Turn it off. About. Turn it off. Come back later. If you please. And with that being said, let's get into Trace Money. Choose life. Choose a job. Choose a career. Choose a family. Choose a big television. You're a quiet, sensitive type. A little bit crazy, a little bit bad. So, Train Spotting is a 1996 British black comedy crime film. Look, it's more of a drug film, isn't it? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Danny Boyle and starring Ewan McGregor, Ewan Bremer. Ewan? Ewan. It's Ewan McGregor. No, the next guy, Ewan Bremer. Ewan Bremer. Like Yule Bremer. No, Ewan McGregor is E-W-A-N and Ewan Bremer is E-W-E-N. Yeah. Th- is there a difference? I think they're both Ewan. I mean, there's a- they're both Ewan. Yes. Ewan Bremer. How did you say it? You said it weird. Ewan? Ewan. It's not Ewan and Ewan. so much. Johnny Lee Miller, Kevin McKidd, Robert Carlyle, and Kelly McDonald in her acting debut. Nice. It is based on the novel of the same name by Irvin Welsh. Cinematography by Brian Tufano, whose only other real credit here is the cinematography for Billy Elliot. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. I don't remember 
Billy Elliot. Oh, I have seen it. I have not. Yeah. But enough about Billy Elliot. Let's look at the casting here. Overall, pre-production began in April 1995. Ewan McGregor was cast after impressing Danny Boyle and producer Andrew McDonald after his work on their previous film, Shallow Grave. According to Boyle, for the role of Renton, they wanted the quality of Michael Caine's character in Alfie and Malcolm McDowell's character in A Clockwork Orange. Repulsive with charm that makes you feel deeply ambiguous about what he's doing. I mean, I can buy the ambiguity of his actions, but I don't get too much of the repulsiveness from Ewan McGregor here. Maybe just some of the acts that he does. Like, yeah, the actions, but he's still so charming. Maybe he's too charming. Yeah, for what he does in this film, he's definitely too charming. Like, I should hate this guy. Yeah. And I don't. (laughs) It's really weird. I was thinking about it today. I was like, I was thinking about all the things he does, and I was like, man, this guy's a piece of shit. Is it because it's Ewan McGregor? I mean, yeah, that's that's the point because he's, he's on his so road charming. to Obi Wan. Well, I mean, yeah, Obi Wan. Speaking of McGregor, he shaved his head and lost twelve kilos for this film. Yeah, he's so small. Those he achieved legs this by tiny. grilling everything and by drinking wine and gin instead of beer. Is grilling healthy? He grilled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The George Foreman grill. That's healthy. Yes. How is grilling healthy? It's better than cooking in oil. But don't you put oil on a grill so it doesn't stick? Don't have to. I you do. can grill dry. No, oh, Jesus. Yeah, the, the taste would be terrible. This is a family podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the other Ewan here, Ewan Bremer had played Renton in the stage adaptation of Trainspotting. How and good's agree- that? Yeah, he, gre- he agreed to play the role of Spud again, saying he felt the character was part of his heritage. I bet he was bloody spewing that he uh, didn't get Renton. I remember seeing him, he was in a quick bit in Snatch as well. Which bit? The one where Bullet Tooth Tony, he's the guy who he grabs uh, and drags down the street in the car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's also in Wonder Woman as well, as one of the crew there with Chris Pine and the others. That's that's the only places I've seen him from. I mean, he's probably big on stage in- British films. Scotland. What about Johnny Lee Miller? Okay, I know he's in Hackers and I've seen Hackers, but the only thing I know Johnny Lee Miller for is being Angelina Jolie's ex. I know. Well, I know him from Hackers as well. That's what Danny Boyle saw him from. And goes, oh, yeah, come and play You know the sick role. Sick Boy. Yeah, Sick Boy in this movie. He plays Sherlock Holmes in Elementary, the TV show with Lucy Liu. Oh, yeah, that, and that was huge, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know if it's still going or not, but, yeah, it was pretty big at the time. So, for the role of Begbie, Danny Boyle considered casting Christopher Eccleston. Do you know Ooh, who that not, is? Do I know who Christopher I'm, Eccleston I don't, I don't, is? You might not know the actor's name. Mate, have I seen Leftovers? No, you have on, a don't lot. Don't be ridiculous. Yeah. I love Christopher Eccleston. Was he also a doctor? In the show. In Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, I think he was. I think he was a doctor, yeah. yeah. No, nah, he considered casting because show. of his- What were you uh, talking about? Were in, you talking about Doctor Who? No, in Leftovers. Was he also a doctor? Yeah. In Leftovers? <laughs> well, you were talking about Leftovers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, his resemblance to how he imagined the character in the novel is the reason why he considered casting him. But he ended up getting Robert Carlyle instead. Robert Carlyle said, I've met loads of Begbies in my time. Wander around Glasgow on Saturday night and you've got a good chance of running into a Begbie. I mean, that's true. That is true. So, for the role of Diane- Not that I've ever been to Glasgow, but yeah, I've, I've definitely seen a lot of Begbies in my life. Danny Boyle wanted an unknown actress, so audiences would not realise that a 19-year-old was playing a 15-year-old. So, she was 19? She was. Oh, thanks for clearing that up. What do you know her from? No Mer- Country for All Men. Don't be ridiculous. Merida. What? Merida. What's that? Brave. No, nah, no. Nah, no Country for All Men. She voices Merida in Brave. Okay. Have I've, you seen Brave? I have. I don't know who voiced her until then. Now you do. I still don't know she her She was from also that. in that Black Mirror episode. Yeah, but she's in No Country for All Men, uh, a movie we've done an episode on. How yeah. is that not the go-to? We've spoken about her already, how I'd- she had her southern accent and how amazing it was. I just think of her as Merida in Brave. So, back to Ewan McGregor. He read books about crack and heroin to prepare for the role. He also went to Glasgow and met people from the Colton Athletic Recovery Group, an organisation of recovering heroin addicts who actually play the opposing football team in the in the opening credits. He was taught how to cook up heroin with a spoon using glucose powder. He even considered injecting heroin to better understand the character. 
but he eventually decided against it. I mean, do you reckon that's true? That he decided against it? Yeah. It's not like he's going to come out and say, hey, I used heroin for this. Come for sure. see my movie. Like, no. If, if he did try it, he wouldn't be telling everyone. So, I reckon there's a decent chance. Do you have to go so method as to get on the smack? I mean, I mean people do it with, without needing an excuse, you know? So, I don't know. So, there's been a bit of confusion about this movie's title. What do you mean? Train spotting. What does it mean? It doesn't mean spotting trains, okay, before you get back into your stupid quip from the start. I do. Okay, it took me minutes to come up with that quip. The term train spotting gradually evolved to be described as an obsessive hobby that is not understood by people who do not practice it. So what's the hobby? Heroin addiction. So train spotting is heroin addiction. It is a definite. Train spotting is defined as an obsessive hobby that the people who aren't obsessed with it don't understand, do, don't know how to do it. Do you think anyone's ever used train spotting in normal conversation? Never. I mean, after this movie, I'm sure, but... Yeah, the casual conversation is, hey, have you seen Trainspotting? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> but this was released in the UK on the 23rd of February in 1996 with a runtime of 93 minutes with a tagline of choose life, choose a job, choose a starter home, yeah, choose stop. dental insurance, choose dental insurance, leisure wear and matching luggage, choose your future. But why would anyone want to do a thing like that? Way too long. And it's basically the first lines of the movie. Should just mean choose life. But why would anyone want to do a thing like that? Uh, that sort of becomes like a, a death kind of thing. Choose life. But why would you want to choose life? Let's choose death. Like a cult. Get a couple in there. It could have just been choose life. Drugs are bad, okay? Lose or the. It's cleaner. <laughs> All right, Facebook. <laughs> Budget of $3.5 million. And in America, it grossed $16.4 million. And apparently worldwide, $16.5 million. Bullshit. Yeah, I don't know about those numbers. So Kevin McKidd, who plays Tommy in this film. How good is Kevin McKidd as an actor? Where do you know him from? Rome. Really, Rome? Rome is my go-to. Obviously, you know him as Grey's Anatomy. Yes. But I knew him first from Rome. He is amazing in Rome. Do you notice have- how he's not on any Hold of on. the promotional material? Have you seen Rome? Yes, I have. Oh, I did yeah. not expect that answer. <laughs> Do you like it? Yeah, it was good. Mm. Don't remember too much about it's it. better than good. He wasn't in any of the promotional stuff. Yeah, I'd forgotten he was in it. I saw his name mm. in the credits, like in the opening credits. I was like, what the fuck? Who is he? I'm like, yeah. look, I-, I went and looked at the poster. I was like, no, he's not sick boy. <laughs> I was like, who is he? <laughs> he wasn't part of the promos because he was on holiday at the time. So he didn't go on any of the promotional material. I love his story in this. And he is now known as the other guy in Trainspotting. Mm. But this was nominated for one Oscar that year, Best Adapted Screenplay. I was going to say writing, yeah. Which it lost to Sling Blade. Have you seen Sling Blade? Yeah. I haven't. Is it good? Yes, I'm Sling Blade. Billy Bob? Uh, he talks real weird. Was it good? I mean, I was too young to appreciate it. It was weird and I didn't like it. So Fair enough. I mean, I, that's not a review. I, just, I need to rewatch it. But this is a patron requested breakdown and it comes from our awesome patron, Mr. Jacob Bennett. So thank you very much for this one, buddy. Thanks, Jacob. Let's take a look at the history of Trainspotting in the IMDb Top 250 list. Like we said, this was released in 1996. It debuted into the list on the 19th of November in 1996 at number two. Did the list just come out that year? No, I think it had been out for a little bit at that time. Like I think it was out in it was actually out in, on the 26th of April. Two is ridiculous. How does I mean two? Seriously? Yeah. It made 16 million dollars in America. It stayed in the top 5 for at least 6 months. Jesus. Before having a general decline down to the 200s by 2000. So, uh, three years of dropping. And then by that point, for the next 20 years, it has gradually gone up, 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 up. I think I've done too many ups there. It's currently sitting at number 159 with an average of 8.1 over 609,000 ratings. That sounds much more accurate than number two. All right, I'll do the plot summary here. Renton, deeply immersed in the Edinburgh drug scene, tries to clean up and get out despite the allure of the drugs and influence of friends. Sounds about right. All right, let's get into it, mate. The music. 
music. Good old Iggy Pop, Lust for Life. Good song. Okay, so you know the the artists and the names of the songs. I just uh, know this one. There's no need to come in here showing off like that, all right? The music's good. It is good. I think it's better than good. I actually think this soundtrack would be probably in my top 20 soundtracks. I, yeah, I really yeah. I really like this soundtrack. It is good. There's a lot of memorable songs in this in this oh, movie. Is there ever? So I think this does a pretty solid job of introducing our characters and their characteristics in a, in a single shot, basically. Yeah, and their fast-paced world they live in. Yeah. And the desperation. Like, they're running from the cops here. They're obviously stolen something. But then, like, when he gets stopped on the car, he, like, runs, goes over the bonnet of the car, he stops. Like, he's got people chasing him. He stops. Yeah. And he looks right at the camera and smiles. Yep. And it's like, this is someone who does not think like a rational person. No. Right? This is someone who's desperate, who's looking at the world in a different way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Great opening shots of Renton here. What about the other guys, though? This soccer scene they show, I think their things they do in here really sums up these characters. You get to know them straight away. So you got Sick Boy who trips this other guy over, but a bit subtly, and yeah. he's like, what? I didn't yeah. do anything. He's super dodgy, yeah. and he will do anything to get himself ahead. You got Begbie, who's just this bruiser, yeah. who will do anything to anyone. Yeah. You got Spud, who's a bit not, maybe not all there, and he's basically a punching bag for the group. They just abuse him. Like, oh, come on. Because yeah. he missed a, a, an easy yeah. an easy save there. And you got Tommy, who's this super competitive athletic one, who's like taking on three of them at once to, you know, to get this ball. Yeah. Perfect. I- in, in one single shot of each of these guys, you know who they are. Yeah. Perfect. It is a very good opening for them. And I love how- you get that transition of Renton as he gets, he falls as he gets hit by the soccer ball and it, it coincides with him falling as he takes his drugs. And he, and you see, this is the, the difference between their regular life and then they hit the drug scene. You get Renton with his voice over here, like choose life, what do you know, with all the stuff we've said. And then right in, who'd want to do anything like that? Boom, we're in the drug house. And you see, this is their actual life. I chose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got heroin? It really sets up. Heroin is their life. Yeah. Like, nothing else matters. You don't need to justify anything as long as you have heroin. They say it's their life. It's it's a way to escape their life. They think that, you know, the monotony of life in general and how boring it is and how basically everyone follows the rules and goes through their daily life doing all these things. But that's that's not for them. That's not for him. He wants to take a different route through heroin. Mm. One thing I did love is that they start on a positive because, as they say here, like, Everyone thinks of heroin as this miserable, terrible drug, but people never talk about the pleasure of it. Like, mm. it, there is a reason that people take it. Like, it's amazing. It gives them, you know, what does they say? Like, think about the best org- orgasm you've ever had times that by a thousand, you're still yeah, nowhere near it. Exactly. Like, it's not all doom and gloom, but all you hear about, all the media talks about, and all you ever see is the absolute worst of drugs. Because of and how it, absolutely awful it is. And especially heroin. Yeah. Heroin really is known as, like, the worst drug. And while they do show the... You know, the positives, I guess, when you're hearing it from someone who's taking it, you definitely get the the negatives, a lot of the negatives through this film. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, you, you do see the other side of it. Yeah, you definitely do. But I think it's but- important, especially at the start of the film, to say like, you know, yeah, they're, they're using because- it's awesome. Like, they love it. But it's, it but feels it's never, so good. But because heroin's so bad in the first place and everyone knows that, it's not like you're going into this film going, oh, man, I want to try some of that. You never, like... No, no, no. It's, it's never pro. Yeah. Pro. Because drug. where they are, it's dirty and dingy. Like, you see them having pleasure, but it's just in this rotten down dump yeah. of a place. As someone who's not inside that scene, it looks disgusting. Yeah. But I think, I think the filmmakers go to the lengths to make sure... 
that it is as grimy yeah, as possible. Yeah, exactly. I love the irony of Tommy and Begbie and all that talking to them like, oh, that putting that putting that shit in your in your body. That's all those drugs while they're like down in spots yeah, and yeah. smoking away. Like, yeah, yeah, that exactly. was funny. But Renton, he's 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 off the smack. He's he's had enough here. What do you think of this this scene of uh the rundown of all the stuff you need to to get off the smack? Lock yourself in the room and go through the checklist of you know, all the tins of tomato soup and the mushroom soup and the different buckets you need, the telly, all the stuff. The and then right at the end, it's like now I just need a hit to now, get yeah. through this. Now and just bang, he's yeah. out the door. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> it's good because you know you judge you judge yourself based on your um intentions. So it was, it was really good. Like he's all set up, and then yeah, got to have this hit though to get through it. Yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> He's, yeah, he's just said, of course, I'll have another shot. After all, I've got work to do. <laughs> it's like these people can't function without it. Like exactly. even, even the job of coming off heroin and not taking heroin, they need heroin to get through this exactly. job. Yeah. Like, it's it's just crazy how they justify the use. It's it's really clever. Spot on. But goes to take a shit in the worst toilet in Scotland, apparently. Probably not apparently because this thing looks Awful. Yeah, it's terrible. I love that little effect of the. He looks in and is like, you dingers in there. He's like, all right, this is gross. It's all right, I'll flush it. The chain just comes off. (laughs) Oh, shit. <laughs> it's so good. It really is funny. It's a funny movie. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, yeah. This is this is just as much a comedy as it is a you know. It's amazing how a movie with this subject matter is funny. Yeah. Because there's like horrific stuff going on in this film, but they really balance it out. They do, and they don't do it in like a disrespectful way no. either. Like it's really it's a heavy film, but man, it finds that that fine line of we can laugh with these people. Yeah. Like, these people are fun at points. Pretty disgusting though when he's sifting through the toilet looking for the, the oh, pills. It's so gross. It's so funny though. It's so funny that he goes to this dodgy dealer to get his his drugs. And what the fuck are these? What the fuck are these? What the fuck are these? <laughs> the suppositories. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, oh the, as much good they're gonna do, I might as well shove them up my ass. <laughs> it's like, all right. I'm off heroin now, so I'm not constipated anymore. I've got a shit. And my other ones haven't melted yet in my ass. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> what did you make of the diving into the toilet, into the clear water? Is that him getting clean? Oh, I didn't look at it like that. Because- Is it like a rebirth, like coming out of the toilet? Like, oh, like he's not covered in shit when he gets out of the toilet. Because he when didn't he- actually go swimming in the toilet. Yeah, but when he, le- when he gets back to the place, he's... Completely sopping wet. Is that still in his mind? Gee, I didn't even think of that. It's a good pickup. Yeah? Uh, is it in his mind? I think it is. It has I mean, to be. He didn't get in the toilet, let's be honest. That's true. And he would have been covered in shit yeah, if he, he did. Yeah. And, you know, they're not afraid to show people covered in shit in this film. So That's true. That's gross. Let's just say it's in his mind and move on. <laughs> sure. So, at the park with Sick Boy. I don't, oh. think, I don't, think, don't think he can get away with uh, chilling with a rifle in a park anymore. Not anymore. Thankfully, yeah. I mean, I do. I do remember this conversation though, because uh, oh this, this god, the- watch this! I was like, oh, Hendo's gonna love this. No, this because this is the bloody question you asked me about in the name of the rose being uh, Sean Connery's uh, downward tra- downward trajectory in a uh, series of unbroken films. It was a question you gave me once that I uh, did not get right. I remember it well. No, you don't. Good question from me. And all this academy talk. All I am trying to do, Mark, is to help you understand that the name of the rose is merely a blip. On an otherwise uninterrupted downward trajectory. And what about the untouchables? I don't rate that at all. Despite the Academy Award. That means fuck all. It's a sympathy vote. 
Oh, it was great. So, obviously, Danny Boyle used some creative methods while directing, necessitated by the film's low budget. For example, in this scene, when Renton shoots the dog with the BB gun and goes crazy, Boyle actually got the dog to freak out by simply standing just outside the frame of the camera and just yelling and screaming at the dog. I mean... Yeah, geez, it was effective. Yeah, that dog goes to town on that guy. Yeah, like surely you'd have to like flick a lacquer band at it or something. <laughs> I don't know, like reacts like it's been shot. Yeah. If it's really just someone yelling, then bravo acting dog. Killed it. How good is this going for the job interview? Oh, Spud is so funny here. He's just like, he's got to find this fine line of not being nervous and he's got to act like he's actually wanting the job when in reality he doesn't want to get the job. So he takes some speed to give him some pep in his step. Yeah. No, I mean, Craig, Craig Newton. I just put down to Royal Edinburgh College to help get the job. There's too much discrimination in this town, man. Because they're both schools, right? And we're all in this together. And I wanted to put across the general idea rather than the details. Like, people get all hung up on details. Like, what school did I go to? How many organs did I get? Could be like six, could be none. It's not important. What is important is that I am, yes? It is so funny. I must admit, I watched this part with subtitles because I had no idea what he was saying half the time. I think that's the fun of it, though. Yeah, I just wanted, I've seen this film many, many, many times before and I've had a, uh, you know, a good laugh over the scene. I actually wanted to know what he was saying. When he says, it's like, and a what? Pleasure. My pleasure and other people's leisure. And here we get a little backstory of Begbie telling his uh, fake yeah, story. This is good. He's so tough. He's such a big tough guy, which is weird because he tells his story to toughen himself up, but he really is a tough bastard. Yeah, he really would do this stuff. Yeah. But instead he got blackout drunk and Tommy tells it like it really was. Oh, that was so good. Uh, how good is that shot where... Tommy's like, I just, I tried to miss every single time. And he shoots it. Oh, shit. And just flies back in the screen and knocks it in. It's like, oh, fuck. So funny. Then this guy, like, he's eating the, the potato chips at the bar. It's like so far away. <laughs> oh, it's gold. Yeah. But man, he, God, he pulls a knife quick, doesn't he? It's his he, go-to move. Well, it sets him up pretty quickly as an absolute nutcase who will pull a knife out for that yeah. reason. And he threatens Tommy as well. Like, he's just, no yeah. one needs people like this in their life. And even just the freeze frame of him throwing the glass over the balcony. It's like, what the hell? What is this guy doing? It's like, and they say, and they say like, this is his drug. And then like, he goes, and then he goes downstairs and he's like, right, no one leaves here till we find out who threw it. That is the <laughs> most censored thing you've ever said. <laughs> but no, nah, this bit with the, the sex tape of Tommy and Lizzie. Oh, that's right. Because during, Renton, yeah, when 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 Tommy yeah, is he's ta- yeah. telling Renton the real story, yeah. he's like, "Oh yeah," he's he swapping swap, it out, swaps the sex tape yeah. for the greatest goals. <laughs> yeah, but this is where he gets the idea to let's head out to the club. I need a bit of this. I like this scene. Good music, classic nineties music. Great music. Interesting use of the subtitles here in the club. Yeah, because they don't match exactly what's being said. Yeah, and it's also good because it's it's kind of like I'm, I'm going to reference Social Network again because I just watched it recently. How their voice is really drowned out by the music, making it feel more authentic being in a club. I like that. Yeah, I mean, when you're in a club, it's hard to talk. It is. Yeah, interesting how they have the back and forth conversation between the two guys here and the two women, and they're talking about the same thing. Yeah, and they get back. What are you two talking about? Oh, Renton's on the prowl here. I keep saying Renton. Renton. Renton is on the prowl. What did you say? Renton. Renton. I just, I, I skipped the N. I just go Renton. 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 Well, if you skip the N, it's Renton. The T, I meant. Renton. 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 You're still doing a soft T there. Yeah, but I'm not doing the hard T. Renton. Renton. Yes, no. What are we doing? Renton. He looks like a bit of a prowler here. Yeah. Not a good look for him. No. Uh, he's just like surveying the crowd, trying to see who he can prey on. Nice uh, use of the song uh, Temptation as well when he sees Diane for the first time. The, I love the kicking. Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> it's so good. 
And she she's amazing in this. She, she is. Really, she's really good. She, she's actually not in it a lot. Nah, she's barely in it. But yeah. she takes control so hard this first scene. And she just sums him up so completely. And that bit where she just tears him so hard down after his pathetic pickup. He's attempt. ready to back, go back in the club. Yeah. And she leaves the door open and the like, cabbie's like, you getting in, mate? Like, uh, yep. Okay. And then everyone gets some, basically. Poor old Tommy. Not everyone. Poor old Tommy loses the tape. Yeah, spud. That, poor that Spud. very funny. Spud. Everyone's having a hard time here. I mean, for Renton. Do you think, I mean, when they were casting Spud, were they like, all right, pull show, your pants yeah, down? Yeah, show us your dick. Because you need to have, like, a, a, you have a to have a, a very disappointing dick. Yeah, it's like, oh, poor bloke. But good old Renton. He scores. Nice little re- oh, throw yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. What a penetrating goal that was. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Kelly McDonald in a naivete invited her mother and brother onto the set while filming her sex scene. I mean, she knew she was having sex. Why would you do that? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. It's weird. It's interesting to see the turning point here for Tommy. Like, this is where his downward spiral begins. Like, we've set him up pretty well as he's he's, he's, the, the, he's the guy. Bloke. Yeah, he's the normal guy here. Yeah. And, yeah, this is basically where he's going to go very downhill very quickly. For this scene with Spud the oh, next morning. Just- he wakes up and he's like, oh, no. He pulls his hand up. It's a like, holy shit. shit. And he has no idea where he is. He's like, like where the hell am I? <laughs> he walks out and the parents are so nice. Yeah. Like, they, what is it? They've been dating for like four weeks now. I think it's six weeks. Six weeks, yeah. yeah. No no sex so far. So they've obviously had a good relationship so far. And you but, see, I need to get that zoom in of like the bacon and the eggs and the baked beans. Like, <laughs> it's like, you want some, you want some breakfast and baked beans? He's like, uh, no. But he even admits it. Like, I had, a, an, I had accident. an accident. I drank too much. And the, the parents are great. Ah, it happens. Yeah. Oh, this is rough. The shit goes everywhere. And then we get Renton walking out, seeing Diane's parents. He's like, oh, you, you the flatmates. Oh, that's that's a new one. Yeah, the mum thinks that's funny. The yeah. dad, not so much. No. Like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, she's she's a she's a real bitch here, Diane. Yeah, basically. She's like, if you, if you don't see me again, I'll go to the cops. It's like, fuck you. Yep. That's rough. It is. But the trek up the mountain, Renton basically saying how awful it is to be Scottish. The lowest of the low, the dregs. You can see that he's having a really rough time here, and that's why he gets back on the smack. They all do. Yeah. I mean, it real uh, to them, it's really just a way to get out of life's problems. But this is probably where we are at the worst part of this film, the baby. I mean, obviously, it is completely fucked. That image is haunting. Yeah. I've it's- forgotten about this image. I remembered the baby crawling on the wall and yeah. turning, doing the exorcist head, but I forgot that like you see the dead baby multiple times yeah. in the in the crib. And that scream that she makes. Oh. It's it is so hard to watch. I like that they're saying uh, they don't know who the father is and well, I guess now we do cuz yeah. sick boys reacted, you know, the way he did. But the saddest part for me is straight after Renton's like, "Well, I'm going to have a fucking hit." And then the mum's like, "Yeah, yeah give, give me another some. one." It's like, get, yeah, life goes get, on. Get rid of the pain. It's like, oh my god, that is that is just beyond horrific. And you got to wonder, like, how long's the baby been there? Exactly. Like, yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, terrible image. But this is where we get the revert back to the start, where they're doing their stealing. They get arrested for it. Yeah. Ren- Renton gets away with a uh, good behaviour because he's already in some rehab situation. Yeah. And Spud, poor Paul Blood, Spud, gets six months. And buddy Begby at the celebration here. What an asshole. Yeah, what an asshole. But also, like, he's yelling at Spud's mum saying, like, it's her fault that he was on drugs and stuff. Yeah, but Renton's parents are there. They're at the table. Yeah. Like, Renton's a a junkie. Like, uh, it's just, he's got no self-awareness. He doesn't care. shocking. Yeah. Wait, Renton's dad, by the way, you know, you know him. Enlighten me. Braveheart. Do you want to do that breakdown? 
If you want. <laughs> I'm just, just saying. Like, I know that actor from Braveheart. He's like the, the old- um, I have orange, not seen Braveheart in such a long time. The old orange man. Oh, God. You need to rewatch Braveheart. Um, no, but I liked him in it. I actually thought the mother was Alice and Janney for a bit, but- Really? It's clearly not. Clearly. But, but even here, isn't it like the first day of his- rehabilitation here and he jumps over the back fence for a hit he can't handle it well he's used up all his methadone tablets already yeah unfortunate goes out for a hit and he ods oh mother superior yeah yeah this od scene i love what they do here where um the dealer's like you want me to call you a taxi and then you see the ambulance coming yeah and and you think you think that he's actually called an ambulance. No, the ambulance drives past and a taxi yeah. rocks up. He just throws him in with money in his pocket and yeah. the cabbie drops him off at the hospital. And That's just pulls, takes the money out of his pocket and leaves. I mean, it's not it's not the fucking cabbie's responsibility. No, of course not. And even here, the choice of music, you know, you got this song. I don't just know what it's called. Just a perfect day. Yeah. I mean, like, that is so ironic. Actually, for the close-up shots of Ewan McGregor injecting himself with the heroin, he had a prosthetic arm that was constructed with the, from the makeup department, obviously, complete with some pulsing veins, some smack tracks, and a small packet of blood that would appear when the skin was punctured by the needle. Very effective. You like, see, it, it looks real. And you see how he sinks into the floor in this film? The crew built a platform above a trap door, and they lowered him down into it yeah. at that point. That's great. And then you see like the carpet's still everywhere. Yeah, he looks, and he, even he, though his point of view is so carpet. thinned yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he gets the adrenaline, you see him fly out of that area. Yeah. 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 That's good. It is. But the parents, they lock him in his room. It's the only way to do it now. Going cold turkey and this whole process of the multiple visitors and everything. This is my... Excellence! What a coincidence. Excellence! It's just one after another. You got Diane visiting, and uh, yeah, she's she's great. Begbie doing his weird thing, and the baby crawling on the ceiling. Messed up. It's so scary. And even the way before all the visits, where his room looks so long, like he's been yeah, they pulled, pan out, pulled, and you see those walls. It just looks never ending. Yeah, and you really do get that and that sense. pulsating music. Yeah, that's that just sense of, in your yeah, face. It's like, it's like that. Uh, like techno music yeah. going. It's oh, and he's like Ewan McGregor, so amazing in this scene. He I is. feel like we have. Haven't sung his praises at all. He's really strong in this. He is. He's he's really good. Like you said, charismatic, but with a bit of ambiguity to him. Like he, he why is he so charismatic? This guy's he's an asshole, but I love him. And this is where we see Tommy for the first time actually affected poorly by the heroin. So we see him prior asking for heroin. Yeah. But he's sort of on the wall here and he sort of repeats back to um Renton here, like better than sex. And he's like really yeah. like downtrodden here, and you're like, oh God. But even actually going to see him in real life now that he's he's been cured of this disease. Oh, this is this is fucking yeah, horrific. Where he's this he's, was, he's, attract, he's got this HIV. Was, this scene here was almost my excellent. Like him walking in and he's walking up to this apartment in the spray paints like, you know, AIDS and yeah. all this stuff and he goes in there and like this is someone like a normal, successful, happy man with a relationship. Yeah, this is like the opposite of Renton now. They've yeah, swapped places. It's, it's just so heartbreaking seeing Tommy like this and oh powerful powerful movie I forgot how powerful this mm. film was oh, I, I sort know of, I sort of went in thinking it's funny like it's and that's it like it's just this funny drug movie it's really powerful it is Diane shows up yeah she's wondering if she's got AIDS yep you know as, as she would they cut to them laying down on the bed here you think I'm pretty sure he they went for another round pretty sure she's sitting there with like just in a shirt okay yeah I don't think he could contain himself I mean it's Diane. I mean, I shouldn't say that. She's 15. It's, uh, what's her name? Kelly. McDonald. Kelly McDonald. 19-year-old Kelly McDonald. 19-year-old Kelly McDonald. 
But she gives him good advice here. You can't just do nothing. Like, you, you're off the smack now. You've got to get out of this place and experience something. Because if he stays there, he's probably just going to go back to the smack. Yeah, which is fair enough. So, so he heads off to London to be a realtor. Real estate agent. Yeah. I was like, uh, what? That's, that's random. Very random. I like the idea of Diane's voice in his head while he's reading the letter. And then when it's done and you hear the knock at the door and then he turns the, the page back around to read and it, oh, it and it's her voice yeah. again for that one little, like for the, you know. Saying that Begby. uh, Begby's on the run. Yeah, and oh shit, there he is. Robert Carlyle is great in this film. Yes. He he's hilarious. Like he's so menacing, but he's funny in this film. Like that bit where he puts the bed on the horse. I thought that Renton had forgot to put the bet on. The way he reacts when he hears yeah, that he wins. I, I did too. Yeah. But he's just annoyed because, oh, shit, now we've got a money. We've got to go out with him and all that shit. But Begby, he, he goes for a tranny. He doesn't go for one. He winds up with one. He's not looking for one is what I'm saying. Well, apparently Robert Carlyle said that he played Begby as a closeted gay man whose outbursts of violence were due to his fear of being outed. And Irvin Welsh, the guy who wrote the source material, confirmed that that is what he had written for Begby in the book of his ambiguous sexuality. Okay. Because you never see him, like you see him with a, a girl at the first club. You don't see him with any guys either. I mean, don't you right here? But he doesn't realise that and he genuinely doesn't realise that because as soon as he feels something he, he shouldn't, he, he runs away. But I thought it was real interesting that this angry man who fucking wants to kill everyone doesn't actually get violent with this person. Yeah, because- Do you know what I mean? I like feel like he's playing it like he's everyone. confused. He's playing it like he's confused. Yeah, I guess. And sick boy shows up. You can see how pissed off Renton is with this, sitting there eating yeah. the chips. So where's my telly? <laughs> But this is a funny scene. Sticks them in the flat that no one will buy. And then when finally someone comes in, you see them like jump out of the cupboard at them. I was, you know, had a laugh. You didn't? No, not really. <laughs> you were like silent. They're like, like, I take it you didn't. No, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Let's get to Tommy's funeral. Yeah, pretty fucked up way to go out, eh? Yeah, I mean, it would have been so easy for them to be like, well, he died of overdose. overdose. Yeah. No, but no, they got this they make huge it worse story and worse and worse. about him buying this kitten for Lizzie. She doesn't want it. So he leaves it at his place. It shits and pisses everywhere. And the shit gives him an abscess on his brain and he yeah. died. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, made it worse and worse and worse. But we but, get to basically the uh, third act here, the skag deal. Skag. Yeah, skag. Renton takes the sample hit. Oh, it's really fucking good. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he'd go back to it like it's nothing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he knows it's not going to be a one hit, but he does have another one on the bus, but that's really it. Like, he does get off it. I know, it was, it was odd. I thought, you know, it's a slippery slope. It is, but he gets out of it. Good on him. But I like the ambiguity of his quote here. This was to be my final hit. But let's be clear about this. There's final hits and final hits. What kind was this to be? Yeah, I didn't get it. Can you explain that to me? Because when you say, like, this is the final hit, does it always mean that? Like, when they say, there's always a last time and then there's always a last time after that. So, is this actually the last time? You say it, but you don't mean it. Oh, okay. You've just enlightened me beautifully, Hendo. Happens every once in a while. All right, doing the deal. You can see how, judging by the amount of money that is left in this guy's case, I'd say... They could have got a bit more out of this. I mean, this guy came with- no, look, no, no, no. I'm, I think not, I'm not saying they could have got a bit more. I'm saying someone else could have got a bit more. Yeah, they, okay, he's fair not enough. Pay, he's not paying these people because as they say, like- Begby has no idea. And it's not just that, but this guy who's buying it, they knows that what else are they going to do with it? Yeah. Like, they, they're they not going to sell it on the street with for themselves. They'll be they, stoked with 16 grand. They don't grand. have a lot of options here. I, I think they say they pay four for it. So that's 12 grand profit. Yeah. You beauty. Yeah, let's go. Get rid of this and we'll move on. This scene at the bar, everyone oh. toying with each other about running off with the money. Clearly, they're all serious in their own way, but doing it in a joking manner. Yeah, I don't think any of them is serious except Renton. Oh, I think Sick Boy is. Sick Boy would do it. Yeah, but 
when he, he gets up and walks out, he's like, oh, don't run off with the money. He's joking. He doesn't think for a moment they're going to run off on him now with the money. When do you think being, uh, when do you think Renton becomes serious? Is it after Sick Boy puts it in his head? I mean, it's it's as soon as he says to Spud and Spud's like, wait, are you serious? And he's yeah, like, right then. gee, I, I don't know. Maybe. And fucking Begby. What a mental case. Oh, I mean, we've all been drunk in a pub and bumped into someone or had someone bump yeah, into sorry, us. Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. You're all right. Yeah. That's it. He's Move got on. me wet. Calm down. <laughs> and yeah, poor boy. Just- <laughs> Look, mate, just fuck off, would you? Yeah. Oh, and and uh, Spud's behind him. Like, no, 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 no. Please don't. <laughs> and even Renton's expression here. Like, he's not even looking. He's just, you know, he's just exhausted. He, he closes his eyes yeah. like, God damn and it. And this bit where he like, he's, he's, but he's so like mean to Renton. He's like, oh, bring me a cigarette. Like, it's, it's not, there's no like- there's no talking to someone like you talk to a friend. Yeah. Like, he's so, like, condescending to But they to stick with him at this movie because of like, loyalty. And he's like, oh, bring the bag. And it's like, oh, God, is he going to take the bag here? And then you cut to the scene where they're all asleep in that, that room that they actually did the deal in. Like, yeah, how fucking idiots. dumb is that? Yeah. Like, surely you don't do this this deal that's big for them and then stay in the place where you did the deal. Surely Amateurs. Not. I like the nice touch of not having any voiceover during the walkout and then only to have it bring it back afterwards to explain his reasoning why oh, he did it. I liked I liked the Spud seeing him. Yeah, the nice pan across. Like, it's not a cut to Spud. When it's, Spud- it's, it's our Renton's point of view, and then he yeah, looks down Spud there. When Spud shakes his head, is he shaking his head saying, no, I'm not coming with you, or is he shaking his head saying- Don't do it. Don't do it. I thought it was a don't do it. I thought it was a, no, I'm not coming with you. Don't say, like, don't ask. I'm not doing this. Okay, interesting. <laughs> and- yeah, as you say, he does justify it as just a minor betrayal. Yep. But let's face it, I ripped them off. My so-called mates. And crazy Begby going nuts in this room. Which is great, yeah. because the cops will take him, yep. and that'll be it. Sick Boy and Spud walk out really quickly. If there wasn't a sequel to this, that is how you would sum it up. Begby got what he deserved. He was already on. He was already wanted for a robbery. Yeah. See, again, I literally don't remember the sequel, so ah. don't spoil that for me. I'm, I, I, I almost watched the sequel immediately after. Because like, I'm genuinely, I want to know what happened with this, this money. Well, we'll get back to that soon. But Renton's off. He's going to move on. He's choosing life this time. I like that he starts with, the truth is, I'm a bad person. At least he knows. But I'm cleaning up. I'm choosing life. Yeah. Just like you. I'm going to be just like you. That's good. I I love how he talks to us. Yeah. And that's train spotting. Any last words? All right, Dean, what's your final thoughts on train spotting? Great story. Great soundtrack. Performances just, they all are pitch perfect. They're amazing. I forgot the Tommy arc, and that was the most powerful part for me. Seeing, like, he's not in a lot of scenes for a lot of screen time or anything, but seeing him as the normal one who just, he has a rough time and he asks Renton for that one hit, like, oh, can I just have a hit? You know, let me try it. And to see where that, that leads him, it's scary. And as I said, balancing this movie between comedy and the powerful effects of hardcore drug use, it, it can't be easy. It's not easy, but it pulls it off so well. I feel like it shows the life of a m- massive heroin addict just just brilliantly. So, for me, I bumped it up. I went four and a half. Wow. Yeah, I really like this movie. Look at you. Well, then how can I not sing the praises of this film? Oh, you will. <laughs> this film is one of my all-time favourites. I've seen this film many, many, many times, and I love it every single time. Acting is on point here, especially from Ewan McGregor. He's so charismatic. You just you get into this guy's mind, basically, and you sympathise with him, even though he's doing terrible, terrible things. It takes a really good actor to make you believe that. Soundtrack is fantastic. Like you said, one of the most memorable soundtracks out there. So many iconic songs that fit well with the theme and the tone of what is happening in the film at that point. This film balances 
comedy and just brutal, brutal drama scenes really well. Like they don't mix in together, but they don't, but they complement each other. You get this bit, you get the big section at the start, which is quite hilarious. And then it moves into some dark, somber tones, striking out the balance between the characters of the film and how charismatic they are and just the general down nature of drug use and the effects it can have on you. It's a tight 90 minutes. It feels quick, but that's great. This film's always been one of the greats for me. And after this watch, it's still the same. Amazing. Amazing. Outstanding. Very nice, Endo. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, mate, where's this going to sit on your rankings? All right, let's start at number 22 with Stand By Me. And for me, it is better than Stand By Me. Next up, we have number 21 is Prisoners. And I kind of think they're about the same, but I'm going to put Train Spotting above Prisoners here because I just think it's so much more iconic than Prisoners. So it's not going to go past Toy Story for me at number 20. So Train Spotting is my new number 21. Excellent. All right, for me, I'm going to start at the number 10 spot with Toy Story. Wow. <gasps> going big. Yeah, we're going hard here. This is better than Toy Story for me. Okay. It's better than Die Hard. What? It's better than No Country for Old Men. Okay. I could see that. As well as The Lion King. Okay. We're getting high now. Silence of the Lambs. High now. See, a couple of years ago, I would have said the train spotting was better than Silence of the Lambs. But I feel and like- nothing's changed. Boom. No, I feel like it's not as good anymore. Mostly because of the rewatch of Silence of the Lambs. So, for me, train spotting is my new number seven. Nice. All right, time to take a trip down memory lane here. And this time last year, Dean, we were doing Pod V Pod 15 with Dan and Caleb from Netflix and Swill. How good. Refresh my memory, Hendo. How did we go on that episode? <laughs> well, that was the episode with the, the iconic Tom Hanks film draft. Do you remember that one? Ah, oh, I do with the, uh, what was it, Cloud Atlas. Yeah, that's right. Well done. Very iconic moment in our little history. So, why don't we go back and take a look at that episode? Yeah, I'm, I'm starting my new job next week. Um, well, getting married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, husband. <laughs> I hear the pay yeah. is shit. <laughs> All right, let's think about this. Uncle Buck. All right, you got John Candy in his prime, yeah? Surely he's bringing in the big bucks. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, in Dude, Where's My Car? What are the three food items that Jesse orders at the Chinese drive-thru? Oh, this is... I should have gone first. I just watched this like a week ago. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> all I can think of is... And then... And then... Oh, no, i got no idea. Uh, three food items. Burger, fries, and shake. <laughs> yes, at the Chinese drive-thru, he ordered a burger, fries, and shake. No, he what, ordered... Don't the- that in China? All right, Caleb, what are you going for? Uh, I don't know necessarily that this is a strategic pick, but this will be no surprise to Dan. I'm going with Cloud Atlas. Whoa. I, what? I already regret this decision that, to let you yeah, go first. I know. That it's is incredible. Just, uh, <laughs> okay. Like I, I can't said, wait to see how that pans so, out. So I, we, Fuck, we just, I just lost. lost it. I just lost <laughs> All right, let's whip it back to you, mate. What's your number 13? Oh, I love it when it's whipped back to me. This film beat The Pianist, which was fantastic. And this is another Harvey Weinstein-produced thing. He won an Oscar for this. It's a joke. Why are people not more upset about this winning? Pianist is incredible. Pianist is done by Roman Polanski. Who won Best Director. You want to talk about, like, molesters and all that sort of stuff? Maybe that's why they don't talk about it anymore. Maybe they're like, 
<laughs> Chicago, you can take it. Well played. <laughs> we did right there. Yeah, let's give it to Weinstein. <laughs> we did right. <laughs> I stand yeah, that, corrected. That's what they're saying. <laughs> like, you, there's jokes. You didn't you, get them? No, I got them. There are jokes where I laughed out loud. There are jokes I'm like, wow, that really just whoosh. Terrible. Whooshed. Yeah, definitely whooshed. Went over your head. Made a whoosh. <laughs> The good cinematography. Gorgeous movie to look at. Honestly, really, really impressive stuff. Naked Asians does it for me every time. Wow. Four. My number four is a new film from this year on Netflix, Paddleton. Paddington? No. How about you listen to me for a change? Is it about it's not, it's not, badminton? It's not 16 and it's not Paddington. <laughs> Paddleton. It is a Netflix film with Mark Duplass and Ray Romano. Starring a teddy bear. <laughs> Hey listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there. And there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and of course, Podbean. We're very thankful to Podbean for taking on our podcast. Yeah, definitely. It's a great hosting site with a great app to go with it. Yeah, what I like about Podbean's app is you can actually comment on the episode you're listening to and it goes straight to us and we can reply back immediately. We've also opened up a new little merch store over on Public. We've got uh, a couple of t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and all that good stuff for sale. So if you're at all interested in getting a little bit of Movie Journey sweet, sweet merch, head on over there and see if anything tickles your fancy. Amazing! And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so over on Twitter. Endo controls our main handle at the Movie Journey and I am at Dean's Tufi journey. You can also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the movie journey, our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date. I am at letterboxd.com slash Dino underscore J88. Really rolls off the tongue. And you can find Hendo at letterbox.com slash Hendo. And we also have a new Facebook discussion group. Yeah, a little listener community going on over there. Yeah, head on over, join up. We'd love for you to be a part of the discussion. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. Or if you're really loving the show and want more, why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, breaking down films not on the IMDb Top 250 list. Yeah, we've got over 70 episodes over there, including such classic film series like the Die Hard series, X-Men series, Mission Impossible series, as well as some notable film directors such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright, and even Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that's right. There's also tons of benefits over there. Early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put out on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can even shape the show the way you want to by telling us what films you would like us to break down. So what's coming up this week, mate? Well, Dean, we kind of teased it before. Since we did train spotting, why the hell not do T2 train spotting? Yeah, as I said, I'm I nearly watched it straight away. I'm really keen to get back into this world and see what these characters are up to. Yeah, sounds good. We also want to give a big shout out to our three new patrons. Damn! We've got a big thank you to Amy Smith, Rob Manifield from the Everything Racing Podcast. Thank you, buddy. And of course, the new brother we've got on the on the patron, brother Sean. Brother Sean, finally yeah. lifting his game. But nah, to the three of you, it, we never stop getting so excited when we see that little, you have a new patron. It's, it's like, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> <Nah>. Damn! <laughs> it's awesome. Thank you all so much. Yeah, we really hope you enjoy all the new content you've got to listen to now. Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash themoviejourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. All right, mate, let's get to... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. Oh. 
And we've got a couple of reviews over on our Patreon. First one here from the man who picked the film for us, Jacob Bennett. One of my all-time favorite movies. Danny Boyle brings a hilarious and horrifying movie about heroin addiction, but it ends up being fun all the way through. It talks about great themes in regards to addiction with great characters and dialogue. An absolute 90s classic. Great review there, mate. And our other one here from Chris Beardsall. This film has the raw energy of a young and hungry director and cast. Simultaneously hilarious and haunting, it is undeniably a 90s classic and the number one reason why I will never try heroin. Now, thank you very much, guys, for your reviews, but of course, let's get to... I've seen Train Spotting countless times. It stands up very well to repeat viewings. In fact, I probably always like the film a little more every time I see it. When I think heroin movies, I think Requiem for a Dream, The Basketball Diaries, and this. Not sure which could be called the definitive movie, but Train Spotting stands out from the other two for being able to make light of drug addiction while still being aware of the harsh realities. The film is not depressing. It has high energy, is impactful and extremely entertaining. The characters make the movie. While they are outcasts and in many respects leading immoral, miserable lives, they are likeable, humorous, and are able to find genuine contentment in their sordid endeavours. In accompaniment to the stellar cast are a brilliant script and unique direction. Despite running at only 90 minutes and most of it flying by, the film leaves you with a sense that you have gotten to know this group as well as your own friends and family, enough so you can overlook their flaws. There are some philosophical questions the film poses upon its closing, some of which may be worthy of discussion and multiple interpretations. I suspect it's a film that will mean different things to different people, and in that respect, it's special. Four and a half stars from Shane. Wow, great review there, Shane. It was a great review. All right, it's time for... Answer my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you, what is your favourite drug-related film? All right, let's have a look over on Twitter. First one from SP Film Viewers. Trainspotting is the most impactful for me. Still sticks with me 15 years later. Arwen Reese says Rush. What is Rush? Is it the Formula One race? I don't think it is. I'm assuming it's got to do with the rush of drugs. Yeah. Because someone else mentions it and they put a year at like 91. And I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. I thought you would. I do not. Chad Durham says, dope. Wonder what that's about. Milstead on Movie says Requiem for a Dream. Sir Ben Kenobi says Scarface. 143 says Sicario. Interesting pick. Action Maniac says Pineapple Express. Nice. Carlo 2020 says Requiem for a Dream is an excellent and devastating film, one that I think should even be shown in schools. Hard to show an R-rated film in schools. Very much so. I'm not sure how ass to ass would play in, in a classroom. I don't want to know. I probably did when I was younger. <laughs> Word Salad Radio. There's a bit of a bit of a stretch. Captain America, the first Avenger. Interesting. Mr. Two Cents says blow. Swamp Thing says fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Ryan L. Terry says a nightmare on Elm Street. Dream Warriors, a chief plot device is Hypnosil. Hypnosil? Hypnosil. I haven't seen it. I have. Clearly, ah, okay. clearly not a fan. Yeah, okay. Qui-Gon Glynn says, Savages is my favourite drug-related film. It's an unexpected masterpiece, in my opinion. Lastly, here from Mark at the Movie Drone Podcast, easy for me, train spotting. Thank you very much, everyone, on Twitter for your responses. But then we're going to get to our top five drug-related films and find out who wins our latest competition. All right, we'll kick it off with you. What's your number five? My number five is The Basketball Diaries. Interesting. My number have five. Have you seen The Basketball I have, Diaries? I have seen The Basketball Diaries. I think you got me to watch it a while ago. Nice. Yeah. My number five is Traffic. 
Cool. I need to rewatch that. Good film. Uh, my number four, Train Spotting. Ooh, I thought that might have gone up a little bit after that rewatch. Nonetheless, my number four is The Wolf of Wall Street. Ah, my number three is The Wolf of Wall Street. Okay, we're on the same page there a bit. My number three is Requiem for a Dream. Very nice. My number two is Blow. Blow, you love Blow. I love Blow. You also like the movie too. Huzzah! Huzzah indeed, Endo. (laughs) Huzzah indeed. My number two is Scarface. Okay, yeah, I didn't put it on my list because I see it more as a gangster film than a drug film, but I, I can understand why you'd have it. Why? Because you don't dr- follow rules. It's a drug-related film. And my number one, you think drug movies, you just Requiem for a Dream. Can't go past it. If you think drug films, the third film you'll think of is Requiem for a Dream because the number one film you'll think of is my number one, Train Spotting. Very nice. All right, so looking at our joint top five here, we have from five to one, Blow, Scarface, the Wolf of Wall Street, Train Spotting, and Requiem for a Dream, the number one drug-related film. And looking at all of the people who put in their top fives from our Facebook listener community and our Patreon page, we have two people who stood out above the rest. Coming in second was Ben Mulverhill with his list of from five to one, Train Spotting, Scarface, The Wolf of Wall Street, Dazed and Confused, and Pulp Fiction as his number one. See, I, I think that's a bit of a stretch. I didn't have Pulp Fiction on there because I don't think it's entirely drug-related. There's some drug scenes, but I don't. I wouldn't classify it as that. Yeah, doing this list, uh, it went through many iterations for me. I had Goodfellas on there for a while because the whole third act is all drugs. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, if it's going to be a drug movie, I want it to be more drugs. Yeah, so he's top, he's top five in the end had two films that were bang on our list and one that was in there but just not in the right spot but our winner this week is Hayden Gerloff Hayden and his five are Blow Spun Traffic Train Spotting and Requiem for a Dream so three dead on with an honourable mention of Traffic wow very good buddy we'll get in contact with you and we're going to send you out some no do it no I'm done What's, what are we sending him out Merchan- how's he going to know merchandise Wow, Re- really <laughs> lifted up there. You're getting some merchandise. Hey, you want it, you say it. This is how it's going to be now. I'm going to pu- pull that clip like it's- <laughs> <laughs> Sweet, sweet merch. <laughs> and for next week's question of the week, it is our other question from our awesome patron, Jacob Bennett. And he's gone with, what is your favorite film in the Library of Congress? Do you know what the Library of Congress is? No, I don't. I'm sure I'm going to be doing a lot of Googling coming up to find out what films are actually in this Library of Congress. But as usual, we'll have our top five on that theme. And if you're part of our Facebook listener community or one of our patrons, go ahead and swing in your top five and get a chance to win some merchandise. Well said. (laughs) We're both masters. Who won? How did it end? All right, Dean, it's time to find out the results of our Pod v Pod 35 draft result between us and Rob Manafield at the Everything Racing Podcast on our draft of racing films, fittingly enough. Now, we were Team 1, and we had Rush, The Fast and the Furious, Talladega Nights, The Story of Ricky Bobby, Death Race, and Gone in 60 Seconds. And Rob was Team 2, and he had Senna, Ford v Ferrari, Grand Prix, Days of Thunder, and TT3D Closer to the Edge. All right, let's take a look at some responses to this one. First one from the Tasteless Podcast. Team Movie Journey is so up my alley. Next up from Julio at the Contrarian Podcast. I've only seen one movie in Team Rob's list, Ford v Ferrari, but I like it better than the three movies I've seen from Team Movie Journey's list. So, Team Rob gets the vote. All right. That's harsh. It is. Sam at the Movie Reviews and 20Qs podcast says, I was about to say the Gone in 60 Seconds isn't a racing movie, but Nicolas Cage is running a go-kart racing track at the start, so sure, why not? Is that uh, That's a pick for us, I'd imagine. Yeah, why not? Uh, Nick at the Epic Film Guy podcast says, 
simply because Ford v Ferrari was picked third overall and not in its rightful first place. I'm voting for Team Movie Journey to spite Team Rob. Wouldn't it be to spite us? Because we picked first and we didn't pick it? Yeah, it doesn't make much sense, Nick. Yeah, but thanks for your vote. Hey, cheers. Ryan Alteri says, Team Rob. Gidget Von LaRue says, Team Movie Journey has rush. Done and done. That's how you do it. Right Stuff Reviews says, I'll have to side with Team Rob on this one, but great shout out to Rush. Love that film. Crash Dude says, Team Rob. Jason says, sees Ford v Ferrari, instantly votes for that team. I guess we missed that one. And lastly here, from the most uninteresting men in the world podcast. Huh, guess we're not it. Days of Thunder and Ford v Ferrari takes it. All right, thanks everyone for putting in a response. Let's take a look at the results here. And it is another loss for the Movie Journey podcast. <laughs> another loss. 47% to us and a 53% win to Rob. So, well done, buddy. It's a close match in the end. Oh, I'm glad it was close. Yeah, we don't want any, none of these big blowouts. No, no. We want to feel the pain. <laughs> wow. There's this tournament. Let the tournament begin! All right, Dean, it's time to find out the results of our best 2010s film tournament. We've got a couple of matches here to look at. First one, Django Unchained takes out Inside Out 53% to 47%. Super close. Next up, we have Avengers Endgame losing to Logan. Mm, that was one of my picks. Yeah, I, I picked Logan to win and you're like, oh, good pick, dickhead. Yeah, take that. <laughs> I don't think I said that. Wolvie for the win. So Logan won there with 54% of the vote. Right, so you're up two points at the moment in our bracket. Nice. Bet. Interstellar takes out the Grand Budapest Hotel 60% to 40%. Your name takes out Insondi, 68%. And our last match we got here, Prisoners defeats Intouchables. Destroys Intouchables. Yes, 82% to 18%. That's the trailer right there. All right, mate, just the one trailer to talk about this week, and it's Greyhound, the new Tom Hanks war film. Have you heard anything about this film? No. No? Oh, I mean, I've seen that Tom Hanks is in a war film, playing yeah. a captain in a war. Yeah, with boat, like boats out at sea against submarines. Oh, it's, what? Yeah, it looks very action-y. It like it's Das Boot that shit right back no, down it's not the like bottom boot. of the ocean. This looks like it's very... Uh, Sort of like a Pearl Harbor type of action. Oh, piece. I love Pearl Harbor. But this, this, it, I don't know. I don't know about this. It, it doesn't. Oh, not keen. It has themes of like it's going to be one of these stupid style, sort of Fast and Furious style films. It's got Tom Hanks in it. Like he's no Vin Diesel. He is not Vin Diesel. Well there's, said. There's legit a point where a submarine fires a torpedo and the, they make the big ship do like a turn, so it bumps the torpedo off the side of the boat. Okay. That looks, that, that's ridiculous. I mean, I thought, when's this come out? Is this end of the year Oscar nah, stuff? August, or? I think. Okay. Yeah. That's Some, summer blockbuster with Tom Hanks okay. <laughs> fighting boats and submarines. All right. Uh, I don't know about this one. Okay. I don't know if you'll see a bonus episode. I saw a trailer for the new Fast and Furious movie. Oh, you didn't see it the first time? Of course not. I was forced to watch it in the uh, the way back showing. So you've seen the movie then? I mean, it's just... It's just Who cares about... You know, you know what you're getting when you go into these movies? Yep. 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 Not keen. But we'll do a bonus episode on that one. Of course we will. We'll see which one's better out of that in Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, at least that had The Rock in it. And Jason Statham. So, what's next? All right, Hendo. What are we doing? Looking at the list... There's a lot of big films we still haven't touched. There's a lot of big franchises we have yet to touch. Massive franchises. Are we going as big as it gets? I think it's time we need to start our journey. Wow. We're doing it. We're going (gasps) for the Fellowship of the Ring. Nice! Fuck yeah, that's awesome. And why the hell not? Let's go the extended version. Let's do it. Yeah, let's. If we're going to do it, we may as well do it right. Do it properly. Yeah, I can't wait. It's been ages since I've seen this. Yeah, I haven't seen 
Fellowship of the Ring in probably 18 years. Well, that's just pathetic. Well, it's going to be good for me. How many times have you seen it? Twice. Oh. And it's the only Lord of the Rings film I've seen more than once. Wow. I've seen it over 10 times easily. Wow. I'm going to have a bit of a different uh, look on it then. That's going to do it. It is. Next week, we've got Pod V Pod 36. Another great guest coming up. And then after that, we're going for it. Lord of the Rings. We're starting it. Ooh, I'm excited. All right. Thank you very much, everyone, for checking out the episode. We'll see you next week for Pod V Pod 36. Bye.